we're going to be going through Christmas stories. And for the next few weeks, as we lead up to Christmas Day, I want to share some of my favorite Bible Christmas stories. Some of our favorite stories that make this year so great. And the reason for this series right now is because I turn on the TV and, you know, we always see the great classics like Charlie Brown and Frosty the Snowman and the Grinch and Rudolph and all those things that, you know, that just make up our childhood, right? That we grew up enjoying so much. But if we're not careful, sometimes it's easy to miss and forget about the real message of Christmas. And the great thing about the Christmas story is that it focuses, of course, on the message of Jesus being born and what Jesus came to be for us. But along with that story of Jesus being born, there's all these other stories that go along with it that make this season so great. So what I want to do is I want to share a few of those stories with you over the next couple of weeks. And I'll be honest, the very first Christmas story that I'm going to share with you today is a little bit odd. It's not really a story that's associated with Christmas at all. And honestly, it's just a little bit different. It's a little unexpected. And one of the things that's so unique about this story is that the people involved in this story, they didn't get what they wanted. They didn't get what they wanted at all. Do you know what it's like to not get what you wanted? Do you know what it's like to get a gift? Okay, we're in Christmas season, you get a gift from somebody, and you get that gift, you open it up, and you're like, what are you thinking, (laughs) right? Like, to get that gift, and you're like, where did that come from? Or maybe you ordered something online, a gift for somebody, and the picture made it seem like one thing, and then you get it in, and you're like, this is not what I ordered. This is something completely different. This is not what I wanted or what I expected at all. This happened to us recently when Shannon ordered... When Shannon ordered me a new Braves jersey for my birthday. And the reason that she ordered me one is because at the very start, I'm going to take you back to the start of the baseball season. Say and her friends decided to go up to Truist Park to watch a Braves game. So she asks me if she can borrow my favorite, my lucky Braves jersey. Okay, and I said, sure, but I said, sure, kind of reluctantly, right? Because I'm like, sure, but I gave it to her. And when I gave it to her, I was like, but be careful with it. (laughs) Like, don't spill anything on it. Make sure you bring it back to me because I'm serious about this, but this is my lucky jersey, okay? So she wore it to the game. And of course they won because she's wearing my lucky jersey, right? So when it comes about a month later, I think you know for every parent, that has ever allowed their children to borrow something, you know what's coming next, right? She misplaced my jersey, and we can't find it, and we're not sure where it is, and I look everywhere for it, and meanwhile, I'm getting depressed because the season is starting, and if I can't wear my lucky jersey, then how are the Braves going to win, right? And, And before you roll your eyes and think that's crazy, just remember the Braves didn't start off well, right? They couldn't get above 500, and I'm watching these games, and I'm like, we got to find my jersey, this is important, people. So in the meantime, Shannon thinks to herself, Jimmy just, just goes on and on and on about his lucky jersey. So she, Shannon's like, maybe I can order him a new lucky jersey. And so she gets online, and she finds a great deal on a Braves jersey that was 50% off. And so she buys it, and it's going to be in time for my birthday, which is July 1st. But it takes three weeks to get here. And what she doesn't realize is that she orders it somewhere uh, halfway around the world. And then when it comes in, she doesn't even bother to give it to me for my birthday because it's pitiful. The jersey has stitching coming out on their left side. And when you button it up, Braves doesn't even match up. It's like, 
It's like, bruh, this. And then, as if it couldn't get any worse, and I'm not lying, there's a stain in the armpit. I'm not even kidding. She didn't even bother giving it to me. We just laughed. It was a good joke. But the reason I'm telling you this is because it's not what she expected. And it's definitely not what she wanted. So the reason I'm telling you all this is because we know what it's like to go through life and to get things that we didn't want. To get things that we didn't expect. Maybe you know what it's like to go into a birthday or to go into Christmas and not really get the gift, but you know what, even more than that, maybe you know what it's like in your life just to go through life and get things in life handed to you or you're dealt things in life that you just didn't want, that it's not what you're expecting, and it hurts, and it's painful. I want to start off with a verse from Romans 15, 13. It says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice those phrases dealing with hope. God is the source of the hope that we have. And so, with Christ coming into the world, we should have that source of hope in our life. We should overflow with confident hope, is what this scripture says, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But my guess is, is that for a lot of people today, and for a lot of you that are in here in worship this morning, you may not be actually overflowing with hope. Some of you might not be looking forward to Christmas at all, or maybe you're just glad for this year to come to an end because it hasn't turned out like you hoped. You didn't get what you wanted. You wanted something very specific in life, but you didn't get it. Let me give you some examples. Maybe some of you are looking for a new job and it's not going very well. Life isn't turning out the way you wanted and it's not what you you had hoped for. Some of you might have an empty chair at Christmas this year, and you're going to miss their laugh, and you're going to miss their presence, and you're going to miss their love, and it's not what you wanted. Maybe Christmas is a tense time because you're having to deal with relatives, and like we said a couple of weeks ago with Thanksgiving break, relatives can be messy, and maybe there's some unresolved issues, and maybe there's some child custody problems, and there's broken promises, and it's not what you wanted. And when you kind of think about it, this life and how difficult it can be, this kind of seems like a theme that we have of not getting what we expected. So with that in mind, I want to share one of my favorite Christmas stories. I shared this with y'all four years ago, and I love it so much, I'm going to share it again. I think it's good to revisit. And it's a very unusual story because for two reasons. Number one, it comes from the Old Testament. And we don't really dive into the Old Testament a lot when it comes to this time of year, unless it's from Isaiah 9, 6, and then everybody knows, for unto us a child is born, and they will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, that, that verse. So one, it's in the Old Testament. Number two, when you read this story, it's about a family that at first glance doesn't really seem to have any link to the Christmas story. So, so why bring it up? Let me tell you why I bring it up. It all starts with someone named Ruth. Let me give you a little background on Ruth. Ruth is a book in the Bible that's about four chapters long. And Ruth is written in a time in an era of Israel where there weren't kings yet. 
they were kind of being ruled by judges who helped oversee the area. And when Ruth's story begins, there's a famine in in their homeland. And most families were just in trouble because of this famine. And one family decides to move. Okay, instead of waiting for God to provide, this family just uproots themselves and moves to a foreign area. Let me give you the names of the family members. I got them up here. The, The father is Elimelech. Okay, he is the patriarch. His name means my God is king. But he didn't really live into that name because instead of waiting and trusting God, he just uproots his family and moves them to a foreign place. Elimelech is married to Naomi. And Naomi's name means pleasant and sweet. And they have two sons, two sons with strange names, Milan and Chilion, which means sick and dying. Okay, not great names for young boys. Imagine naming your kids names that meant flu or asthma, right? It's just kind of weird, right? But when they move, when they move to this foreign land, they meet some ladies, and these sons marry two foreigners, Ruth and Orpah, not Oprah. First time I read this, I was like, oh, snap, Oprah's in the Bible. (laughs) It's actually Orpah, okay? So picture this. This family moves into a foreign land, a place where these people that they're living among now, they don't believe in the God of Israel. It's a pagan culture. So in their strange land, their sons marry some of the locals, and that's when tragedy strikes. And by the second paragraph of the first chapter, Elimelech, the father, dies. And we don't know how. We're not sure if it was old age or a heart attack or if he got hit by a camel, you know, a hit and run. I don't know. So (laughs) just making sure y'all are still with me. Y'all still with me, right? Okay, okay. Stay with me. Okay, but then a short while later, both sons die. Now imagine this, sick and dying die. (laughs) A little bit of a fulfilled prophecy probably should stay away from those names. So now though, you have three widows. You have Naomi and you have her two daughters-in-law all grieving the loss of their husbands. Now imagine being Naomi for a minute And you're in this foreign land and you've lost your husband. You've lost your sons. Could you imagine what she's dealing with and what she's going through? I can't possibly imagine that. And all three of these women, uh, they're they're, they're battling what probably some of you are are battling this season. And and that's that's feelings of of loneliness and heartache and, and loss. And I guarantee you there were moments when these three ladies looked and they said, this is not what I wanted And this is not what I expected at all. I thought things were going to be better. So Naomi doesn't really know what to do at this point. So she decides after her husband's death and her son's dying, she decides, I got to go back home. And so she turns around and she heads back. And one of the main reasons is because she's a foreigner in this foreign land. There's no system set up to help widows in this area. And so she travels back home. And her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, go with her. They're so attached to her that they decide to go back to Naomi's homeland. And about halfway down the road, Naomi turns around and she looks at them and she says, Girls, y'all don't need to go back with me. Okay, you need to find another husband in your homeland. You need to stay here and remarry at some point. Stay in Moab. And Orpah thought that this made sense, so she was like, okay, 
And so she stays be home. But, but, but Ruth, Ruth was different. She insisted on going with Naomi. And Ruth, in chapter 1, verse 16, she says this. She says, don't ask me to leave you. Don't ask me to turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. And where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Now, chances are some of y'all have heard this scripture before. And the reason you've heard this scripture is because it's used a lot at weddings. Husbands and wives will use this verse to to say and to refer to each other. But if you really want to use this verse in the correct context, if you really want to practice this verse correctly, at some point during the wedding, the the bride needs to turn to her mother-in-law. Now, call me crazy, but I don't know if that's going to catch on. (laughs) But that's what's happening. So now it's Ruth and Naomi. And they're taking an adventure trip back to Naomi's hometown. And guess where the hometown is located? It's in Bethlehem. And now we're starting to connect some of the dots. And Bethlehem's a small town. That's why we sing the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And so when Naomi comes back, everybody notices. It's been a while. And they're all talking, and they're like, is that Naomi? Is this Naomi? And so, are you really back home? Now, now remember, Naomi's name, it meant pleasant and sweet, right? But Naomi, when she's asked, she says this. She says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. Look how real this verse is. You can feel the hurt in this statement. And you can tell she's angry. And you can tell that she's upset. She's even upset with God. There's a point where this verse kind of makes it seem like she's turning herself and looking up to God going, this is not what I wanted. And when you read her story, you see that it's a story of loss. She's lost her husband. She's lost her son. She's lost her home. She's lost her land. She's lost her name. It's a painful story. And this is not what she wanted. Last week for Thanksgiving, I said, you know, your life is a gift from God. And how you live that life, you know, it it means so much. But when you look at this, life is not turning out to be the gift that she wanted at all. And even though this is tough for Naomi and Ruth, there's also a point in which we have to ask ourselves, does this story just have to be about pain and loss? In other words, we don't always get to decide what roles we play in life, but we do get to decide how we play the roles we're given. And this is true for Naomi and Ruth. Because if you look a little deeper, if you look a little harder, what we find is that there's more to this story. And you know what, think, think, about, think about that when it comes to your life. Reaching this point, wherever you are, whatever's going on, sometimes we have to decide if our story is going to be defined by pain and loss, or could our story be about something else? Because I know that there are a lot of us that are going through things that aren't what we wanted. But if we look a little harder, and if we look a little deeper, and if we just trust God a little more, can we still find hope? Is there still hope for us? 
And and here's what we're going to see. Is that when we begin to look at Naomi's life, we find that there is hope. So let me tell you how. And let me tell you what happens next. Back in this time, there's not really a welfare system set up for widows. However, there was this law that required farmers that when they're harvesting their grain, that if anything dropped on the ground, they had to leave it. They had to leave it for the less fortunate. So Naomi sends Ruth. She sends Ruth to pick up some of the leftover grain for them. And while Ruth is in the fields working, she catches the eye of the property owner, a guy named Boaz. And in Ruth chapter 2, verse 3, we see this. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. So this is amazing. So, so notice that phrase, as it happened. And as it happened, she just happened to be working in a, a field that belonged to a distant relative of Naomi, who, who just happened to be wealthy, who just happened to be single, who just happened to be a godly man, who just happened to be pretty much the best candidate for prime times The Bachelor, right? <laughs> this guy's amazing. Or maybe just maybe it didn't just happen. Maybe this isn't just a coincidence here, but maybe, maybe this is God at work. Maybe this is God working in the life of what seems to be a difficult moment for Ruth and Naomi. And to make a long story short, Boaz notices Ruth and he likes her. And to make this story even better, Naomi, the mother-in-law, she plays matchmaker. And, and I mean, it just, it, when you read the story, it just sounds like one of those Hallmark movies that my girls love so much this time of year. It's really quite perfect. And Ruth and Boaz fall in love. So we skip to chapter 4, verse 13. And it says, so Boaz took Ruth into his home. And she became his wife. And the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. And she gave birth to a son. And a new family begins. What an amazing story. Boaz is pretty awesome. And he gets an amazing wife out of all this. In fact, do you know what Boaz's life was like before this moment, before Ruth? Boaz was ruthless. Come on, that's good. Come on, that's good. (laughs) I'm getting some groans. But seriously though, when you think about this story, Naomi and Ruth's life is kind of like that Christmas present that you opened that you just didn't want. In fact, their life is not what they wanted at all. Nothing seemed to be working out for them. But over time, over time, when they allowed God to work, when they looked a little harder, when they looked a little deeper, when they trusted God, they found that God was up to something pretty amazing. And here's where I'm getting with this. Some of you, some of us, we started this season thinking that we were going to get just what we wanted. Right? The gift of life that we talked about last Sunday, man, everything was going great. It was just the right size. It was just the right feel. It was just the right fit. It was just... Perfect. And then life has a way of throwing a curveball. 
And suddenly you're facing a, something like addiction or abuse or death or loneliness or loss or unemployment or adultery or pain or infertility or cancer or divorce. And you're just looking up to God and you feel like Naomi and you're just like, why is my life so bitter? This is not what I wanted at all. Let me lighten this up just a bit by going back to my missing lucky Braves jersey, okay? So my birthday's coming up July 1st, just in case y'all need to know, you can put that in your calendar. Shannon's attempt to replace my Braves jersey falls flat. It was a good laugh, but not worthy of being a lucky jersey. So a few days before my birthday, Shannon decided to look for it. And I don't know if your household is anything like ours, but I can look for something forever and never find it. But Shannon, Shannon goes upstairs and looks in a stack of saved clothes that were left at home because she didn't need them in Athens. And she digs deep into the pile. And there at the bottom of the pile, she found my lucky jersey. And she held it for a few days and... She left it for me as a present for my birthday. And on my birthday, reunited, and it felt so good. (laughs) And before you start, and I just want you to know that on my birthday, to celebrate on July 1st, we went to the Braves game that night. And I watched in the ninth inning as Freeman hit the winning shot off the pitcher's foot that scored the winning run and we went crazy and then because I had my jerseys back we got over 500 and I didn't wear it in game five for the world series and we lost but I wore it in game six and we won it all so I guess what I'm trying to say is you're welcome (laughs) this lucky jersey is the reason I just need somebody to give me a lucky Georgia Bulldog jersey. <laughs> it's a funny story, but losing it, not what I wanted. The, the gift that came from halfway around the world, not what I wanted. But looking a little harder, the story wasn't over. There was still hope, and everything changed. You see, before we write off Naomi and Ruth you got to look a little harder. you got to look a little deeper. Because at the end of the story, we find hope. Because Ruth gives birth to a son. Naomi gains a grandson. Which is pretty amazing when you think about it. Because Naomi probably thought that it was all over for her family. Husband and sons are both gone. But now there's a grandson. Now there's hope for this family. There's a future for them that will continue in this grandson. This grandson is going to be a blessing that they never knew. That they never knew and they never saw coming. Because the last picture we have in this story is Naomi caring for her grandson, Ruth caring for a new baby boy. And in chapter 4, verse 17, we get a glimpse of where this story is going. And it says this, And they named the son Obed. And he became the father of Jesse. And he became the grandfather of David. Now you may not know Jesse, but I know you know David. This is the David. This is the giant slayer, David. This is the future king of Israel, David. King David is actually going to be Ruth's great-grandson. 
You see, I know it didn't start out being what Naomi wanted, but it actually turned out to be so much more. And that's my God at work. And that's the hope that he brings. And that's not even the best part of the story. Here's where it all comes together for Christmas. When you gather with your family for Christmas and you read the Christmas story, if you go to the book of Matthew, you'll find that the Matthew chapter one begins with this genealogy. The genealogies that we usually skip over because so-and-so had so-and-so had so-and-so and we don't usually pay attention to it, but we should. Because in that first chapter, you'll read that Boaz and Ruth had Obed and Obed was the father of Jesse and Jesse was the father of King David. And on and on and on it goes until where it says Joseph was the husband of Mary. And Mary gave birth to Jesus. And Jesus was our Messiah. And they had him in that little town of Bethlehem. Why'd they go back to Bethlehem? Because that's where their family was from. That's where Naomi was from. You see, life didn't give Naomi and Ruth what they wanted. But look a little harder. Look a little deeper. When everything seems to be lost, with God we always have hope. And God worked a miracle. What they didn't know was that their story wasn't over. Because down the family line, Jesus was waiting to be born in this family tree. The incredible story of God. So let me close this out. If you're sitting there and you're thinking that the gift that you've received in life isn't what you wanted and and you're not looking forward to Christmas or you're not looking forward, you're just wanting to put everything behind you, you can't see anything good because of the present situation that's happening in your life right now. Don't give up. There's still hope. I know it's hard, but you serve an amazing God. The same God that gave hope to Naomi and Ruth. That gave hope to the entire world through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. He wants to give you that hope this Christmas season. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for being with us. Thank you for providing for us. God, this world is so difficult at times. And sometimes it feels like we're getting what we don't want. It's not what we expected at all. Jesus, maybe today, no matter what's going on in our lives, we we say those words to you that Ruth said, God, where you go, I will go. You will be my God. God, help us to realize that the loss and the disappointment that we face in life, it doesn't have to define who we are. But God, that you want to give us the power and the strength and the peace to respond to those moments in a way that brings glory to who you are. God, I pray for anyone here that needs hope this season. And if that's you and you came in here this morning, let me remind you that Jesus came to be your Savior and to change your life, to give you the hope that we need.
Jesus, we thank you for this amazing story that helps prepare us for Christmas. Knowing that no matter what happens in this life, we can find the hope that we need through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.